I'd like to ask you a favor to start off. So if you're at home or at the office, please open your computer and open a Google Docs. Even if you're on mobile, you can do that. You can open the app for that. Just put a random title on Google Docs and share the doc with two or three colleagues or friends and ask them to put in there like some random quotes, ideally funny ones or inspiring ones, just to have fun while doing it. So now you go to file, click on tab and go to version history and click on view version history. That's where you'll see the entire history of versions and adjustments made at what time and fundamentally rebuild the history of that Google Docs in a transparent and collaborative way. Now I ask you, would you have been able to do the same with Microsoft Word? You could even see the history of your edits, but you wouldn't have had the chance to build that collaboratively involving others at the same time, right? Well, now you might be asking yourself, Andrea, what does this have to do with a podcast about Web3? Well, basically everything. Because this Google Docs analogy is really the best way to understand in its simplest manner the blockchain, the most important technological component of the Web3, which seems very complex, but is actually much simpler to understand than we think. And this is why in this episode, we will take a step back and simplify the understanding of Web3 and its fundamental concepts and technologies. Here's your host, Andrea Yarder speaking. I'm an Italian keynote speaker to more than 100 companies per year, focusing on digital transformation, leadership, and innovation, and a best-selling author of two books in Portuguese. I'm based out of New York City, and I worked over the last 10 years in Brazil as the head of Tinder and as chief digital officer at L'Oreal. I'm an economy specialized in behavioral science from Bocconi University. I hold a master's degree in international relations from Johns Hopkins, and I currently teach at the executive MBA at Fundação Dom Cabral, the top executive business school in Latin America, according to the Financial Times ranking. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to get in touch, you can contact me at andreayario.com or on LinkedIn, where I engage daily with my community of more than 65,000 followers with contents at the intersection of business, technology, behavioral science, and philosophy. So, hit me up there. Let's go back to the Google Docs analogy and better understand what blockchain is, since it is the underlying technological infrastructure of Web3. So the traditional way of sharing collaborative documents has always been to send a Microsoft Word document to another recipient by email and ask them to make revisions to it. The problem with this scenario is that you have to wait until you get the edited copy back before you can see it or make any other changes because you're barred from editing it until the other person is done with it. That's how databases work today. Two owners can touch the same record at the same time. This is how banks maintain balances and money transfers. They briefly block access or lower the balance while making a transfer, then update the other side and reopen access or update it again. With Google Docs or Google Sheets, both parties have access to the same doc at the same time, and a single version of that document is always visible to both parties. And this opens up an incredible new world. While fundamentally in virtually every market, there's always been a need for an intermediary responsible for controlling transactions. From banks in the financial sector to notaries in real estate, from retailers for consumer goods, even pharmacies for pharmaceutical companies. And at this point, though, the intermediary doesn't have to be there anymore. Blockchain represents a way to disintermediate and decentralize everything. 
Instead of a bearded guy wielding a long-stemmed pen to record the tiny entries in a ledger, blockchain uses advanced cryptography and distributed programming to achieve similar results. A secure, transparent, and immutable repository of truth designed to be highly resistant to interruptions, manipulations, and unnecessary complexity. With blockchain, cryptology replaces uh, third-party intermediaries as trustees, with all participants running complex algorithms to certify the integrity of the whole. It is this ability to replace intermediaries through mathematics that makes this technology important. Using blockchain can reduce overhead costs when parties trade assets directly with each other or quickly prove ownership or authorship of information, a task that is currently nearly impossible without a central authority or impartial mediator. And what does blockchain represent for Web3? Fundamentally, the data infrastructure to disintermediate the big internet players like Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, and decentralize open and distributable data. Thus, all users own their data and are free to trade them without worrying about losing ownership, losing privacy, or relying on intermediaries. But what is Web3? Because we've been talking a lot about Web3. Fundamentally, Web3 represents all those initiatives that are using technologies such as blockchain and tokenization to build a more distributed data layer on the internet, where data can be owned, validated, and authenticated by individuals, and the items represented by a record, considering that the three technological pillars of the Web3 are, in Gartner's view, the semantic web, which is fundamentally a way of organizing data in the internet in such a way that machines can understand it in the same way that humans can, Artificial intelligence, which is the ability of machines to perform, learn, and design tasks that are normally performed by humans in the same way. And natural language processing, which is the ability of computers to understand human language by extracting meaning from context. So let me explain further. Imagine that I'm a consumer goods company that sells my shampoos, for example, through a distributor. And the distributor sells them to wholesalers, who resells to retailers. And retailers sell them to hairdressers, and hairdressers resell them in the free market. That is, what is my chance of knowing where my product is? If I discover that, for example, a batch of poor quality and I, you know, like I have to recall it. Today, it's practically impossible. But in the world of Web3, thanks to blockchain, it will be extremely simple. And by now you must be thinking, well, Andrea, but in the world of Web3, we will have so much data. And you're right, to the point that the only way to work with all this data is through the improvement of AI and machine learning, which, even though are not exactly Web3 technologies since they have been developing over the last years, they are the electricity uh, quote, you know, like that allows these absurd volumes of data to be processed. But going back to blockchain, it is fundamentally the technological protocol on, which, on top of which Web3 applications are developed. And these apps are better known as D-apps, decentralized apps. Bitcoin is probably the most famous D-app. Decentralized application must be open source and operate autonomously without a particular authority in control and have four major characteristics. D-apps have their functioning defined by smart contracts, which register, confirm, and execute operations automatically without the need for human interference. How do smart contracts work, which are the key to the functioning of Web3? Well, fundamentally, smart contracts are programs stored on a blockchain that run when predetermined conditions are met. They're typically used to automate the execution of a deal so that all participants can be immediately sure of the outcome without any intermediary involvement nor wasted time. Smart contracts work by the simple rule, if 
or when, then. These are statements that are written in code on a blockchain. A computer network performs actions when predetermined conditions are met and verified. And these actions may include releasing funds to the parties, registering a vehicle or property that you have purchased, sending notice or issuing a fine. The blockchain is updated when the transaction is complete. This means that the transaction cannot be changed and only the parties who have been given permission can see the results. And for me, a perfect analogy is an automatic food and beverage vending machine. The transaction doesn't need an intermediary because it gives you the product if you make the payment. For all that, you need insane computing power. All that I mean Web3. Which is why Web3 is powered by a new kind of computing called Edge. Edge computing is a solution that facilitates data processing so that it takes place near or at the very place where the information is generated which goes a little against cloud computing, which is centralized. Augmented reality, for example, only works with edge computing. Well, I mean, at least it better works. After all, its operations depend on a powerful web connection to obtain an immersive experience. Much of today's computing already happens at the edge, in places like hospital, factories, and retail locations, processing the most sensitive data and powering critical systems that must function reliably and safely. Edge is about processing data closer to where it's being generated, enabling processing at greater speeds and volumes, leading to greater action-led results in real time. It allows businesses to bring the digital world into the physical, bringing online data and algorithms into brick-and-mortar stores to improve retail experiences. And all of that, like, it really helps uh, the Web3 experiences closer to the data source. But getting back to the apps, following the principles of transparency and decentralization, another important feature of the apps is that their code is open, that is, anyone can have access to the programming behind the application. And finally, the D apps work directly with tokens since it is necessary that they have this type of digital assets to access the applications. Each D app requires a specific token, for example, Ethereum requires Ether. Rewarding users for performing certain tasks and for their contribution is also given in the form of tokens. There are three types of decentralized applications which are classified according to their functioning. Type 1. Apps that have their own native blockchain such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Type 2. Apps with their own tokens developed on the blockchain of a Type 1 D app. Type 3. Apps developed on blockchains of a Type 2 D app. They also have their own tokens. And even though this might seem very complex, we will better understand why this is all important as we delve deeper into the way in which traditional companies can embrace Web3 technologies. In the case of Bitcoin, the greatest example of a decentralized app, the mining process offers a reward that is tokens to those who lend the computer's ability to process transactions, ensure security, and maintain network synchronization. Another well-known example is Ethereum. This e-app, however, is much more comprehensive than its virtual currency, Ether. It is an open platform aimed at executing smart contracts used as a basis for other software in the most diverse categories. So that's how we came to tokens. So do you realize that tokens are really the currency in the, the Web3 world? As they are what reward users for making d-apps work. After all, think about it. If we perform any kind of job, would we do it for free? Obviously not. And the same thing with Web3. To encourage people to kind of like work for the system itself, uh, to work, there has to be a reward. And that reward is the token. 
Now, the most popular tokens are fungible tokens. And to explain how they work, I ask you, have you ever played at any of the casinos like Mandalay Bay, Caesars and the likes? Well, there if you exchange X dollars for tokens worth X dollars and you use these tokens to play, well, that's a perfect example of fungible tokens where, you know, in reality are nothing new, but which have already been used since the 17th century by merchants in North America and England, which fundamentally were an exchangeable collateral for material goods at times when state print coins were scarce. In the age of cryptos, the concept of tokens remained the same, the representation of something tangible or intangible within your ecosystem. But it has two main categories, fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens, namely NFTs. Well, non-fungible tokens are units of data that represent a unique digital asset stored and verified on the blockchain, right? While fungible assets and tokens are divisible and not exclusive, for example, currencies such as the dollar are fungible. $1 bill in New York has the same value as $1 bill in Miami. Non-fungible assets, on the other hand, are unique and indivisible. They should be considered as a kind of deed to a unique and non-replicable item. For example, an airline ticket is non-fungible because there cannot be another one of the same type due to its specific data. A house, boat, or a car are non-fungible physical assets because they are unique. The same applies to non-fungible tokens, which represent a single indivisible item, physical or intangible, such as an image or intellectual property. Blockchain is the underlying technology that can easily prove over ownership of an intangible digital item. The main difference between fungible assets and non-fungible assets lies in the context they store. While fungible tokens like Bitcoin store value, non-fungible tokens store data like an academic title or a work of art. Now, you understood that non-fungible tokens are the famous NFTs popularized recently by a speculative wave, but that go far beyond being just digital monkeys or digital work of art, even if they're, these are the most obvious applications. But if NFTs are fundamentally tokens that prove ownership of a digital item, think about what this might imply for other areas. Can your health data be NFT owned by you rather than owned by labs or hospitals? Think about patents, which can always be attributed to their true inventor and not illegally copied or replicated. NFTs can transform event market, replacing tickets, as well as airline tickets. That is, they can have totally transformative uses in industries that are not necessarily gaming, which we usually associate with NFTs, or are just speculative items. It's much more than that. They're even proof of ownership of land in the metaverse, well... That's exactly what will guarantee that the land you buy in the metaverse is yours. That is where, before we understand the relationship between NFTs and the metaverse, let's better understand what this metaverse is all about. Since, uh, you know, NFTs was the buzzword in 2021, metaverse is definitely the one in 2022. So metaverse is the graphic interface of Web3, basically, with AR, VR, mixed reality technologies, all interconnected to the real world through uh, Internet of Things technologies such as sensors, wearables, smart materials that might have microchips that make them interconnected and that share latency-free data over 5G, what happens? Well, you have a programmable world as defined by Accenture where control, customization and automation will be entangled in the environment around us. People will have an unprecedented ability to command the world to suit their individual needs deciding what they see, interact with, and experience with greater ease and fidelity than ever before. 
That is, instead of the internet as a collection of two-dimensional websites and apps, the metaverse is a 3D environment where moving from work to a social platform can be as simple as walking from the car straight to the doctor's office. We see the metaverse as an evolution of the internet that allows the user to go beyond just browsing, you know, to inhabit and or participate in a persistent shared experience that spans the spectrum from our real world to the fully virtual and in between. We talked about a little bit about the metaverse and its characteristics in the previous episode of the podcast, so we won't go too much in detail here, but it is fundamentally the combination of the physical world and the digital world in a symbiotic manner, almost as if one were a mirror to the other, to the point that in 2019, Kevin Kelly already wrote in his cover story for Wired magazine that we're all today in the mirror world that is a mirrored world of digital twins and augmented reality. What is that allows the metaverse to come to life and particularly its applications of digital twins? Well, fundamentally, the hyperconnectivity of the modern world and its infinite volume of sensors and IoT. Just to give you an idea, let's use the example of the health sector. Data from President's research shows the Internet of Medical Things market as being expected to increase by almost five times in size between 2020 and 2030, reaching $172 billion. That brings us back to the relationships. More sensors and IoT, more data to feed the digital twins that make up the metaverse, right? And more edge computing to process all this data on the spot. And then you have an exponential impact. And going back to NFTs, since in the metaverse the economy depends on authenticating digital properties like home, car, books, clothes and furniture and so on, it will also need the ability to travel and trade freely between realms that may have different laws and rules. So that's where you need, need NFTs, which will be the linchpin of the metaverse economy by allowing the authentication of ownership properties and even identity and make it, uh, you know, like basically uh, uh, universal, right? Interoperable, basically. As each NFT is protected by a cryptographic key that cannot be deleted, copied, or destroyed, it allows for a robust, decentralized verification of all its virtual identities and digital possessions necessary for the metaverse to succeed. Well, so far, so good. But here's a question that I know you're asking yourself, which is, in the metaverse with tokens, NFTs, smart contracts, and the likes, how will people organize and collaborate socially, but even more in work, in business, and at work. Because, you see, in business today, we use hierarchical structures to manage people because apparently there is no way to replace the control that a manager can have on his or her team. Apparently, because if you get back to the smart contracts concept, you understand that they are precisely what allow for the replacement of this control, now done by the blockchain on which the contracts are executed, and the emergence of a new organizational structure, that is, the Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, or DAOs. A DAO is a new type of organizational structure uh, built on blockchain technology, which is often described as a kind of, uh, you know, cryptographic cooperative. In their purest form, DAOs are groups that form for a common purpose, like investing in startups, managing a stable coin, buying a bunch of NFTs, but not only also doing research or organizing events and so on. Consensus, a blockchain organization, uh, defines the DAOs as bodies that oversees the allocation of resources tied to the projects they are associated with and are also tasked with ensuring the long-term success of the project they support. 
Once formed, a DAO is managed by its members, usually through the use of cryptographic tokens. These tokens often come with certain rights, such as the ability to manage a common equity or vote on certain decisions. Well, we got to a point where I'm sure you're thinking, Andrea, this is so much information, it's just too much. But eventually, when you look at all this and you try to put it together, you can sum it up the following way. Blockchain, to start with, is the data protocol of Web3, which fundamentally determ determines the technological infrastructure. Metaverse is the interface of Web3. Fungible tokens are the currency of Web3. NFTs are the goods of, NF of Web3. DAOs are the communities, professional and non-professional of Web3. AI is the electricity that makes Web3 data meaningful. 5G is the latency-free communication standard that gives life to the metaverse, and edge computing is its computing power. Together, these are the main components of Web3. But now the question is, how does each of them impact traditional businesses and its main areas? Well, that's what we'll talk about in the next episode. I'd like you to think about all of this as an assignment during this week, and let me know how that goes. That's it for today. Thanks for making it until the end and see you next time with the next episode of Meta Leadership.